And I will throw this phrase out there, and we're going to find a way to use this. Yes, this is the genesis of our song for America. Wow. (laughs) It's a medley. Hey, Prog fans, welcome to the premiere episode of the Ultimate Prog Podcast Project. My name is Tony, and I am joined by Craig and Lee. We are three friends and prog aficionados here to talk about the history and craft of progressive music while sprinkling in our always unvarnished opinions of the music and personalities that make this genre so great. You can find us on Twitter at UP3Show or contact us via email at UP3Show at gmail.com. If you can't get enough of us, don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. This makes sure that you don't miss an episode and helps to push us towards the top of the recommendations. Man, good open. That was smooth. So professional. You've done that before. We've done, yeah. Like this isn't our first one. Like there's been practice episodes. I know. Maybe one day there'll be the lost episodes of UP3 show. But then we'll have to have advertising and yeah. Oh yeah, you know, we have to actually have to we'll have to work for the man. <laughs> then we'll have to do a podcast about working for the man ruined podcasts, you know. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. Um writing music. Nice. Just listening to a whole lot of music. A lot of stuff happening these days. Beautiful thing. How are you, Craig? I'm doing well. I've uh, uh not writing music. I've been playing a lot of boogie woogie lately kind of been a boogie thing i've been trying to learn jazz piano for six years and went down some youtube rabbit rat hole rabbit hole snake hole to learn how to play my left hand and stumbled on boogie woogie so is it like rolling octaves with your little finger and thumb the very first thing you do in boogie woogie is you learn how to do with your left hand and which is like uh bad leroy brown remember that song um, you do that and you do it for like a month wow. <laughs> and then at the end of the month you can do it and you could like clean your glasses or surf the internet with your right hand. I've been set. My thing is I can like send emails with my right hand and my phone while doing the left hand pattern. We know what you've been doing with your right hand. There's a whole bunch of multitasking. <laughs> we, yeah, we already learned our E rating. Yeah, if you didn't realize already, <laughs> listeners, this podcast carries the explicit tag. Does now, <laughs> damn it. This is not your daughter's podcast. How about you, Tony? What's happening? A few months ago, I had gone and I bought a guitar. And I was like, I had this idea that I would start noodling around on it and getting back to it because I did the normal teenage thing. And I had a band. I was in a band, kind of like thrashed on the guitar, but never really had proper training and so i decided i'm going to try and do that now and it's a whole hell of a lot harder than i thought <laughs> especially now that i'm old and have different life your your brain is no longer plastic is the problem yes exactly and then i had the idea because i think all three of us are big fans of rick beato and yeah. if you're not a fan of rick beato you should be a fan of rick beato definitely yeah go to youtube and plan uh, an afternoon yeah <laughs> and so i bought the beato book Did you really? Yeah, and um, it's a good, like, super awesome value. Um, he always is running a discount code, so I ended up getting the Beato book bundle for something like $40 US. Wow. 
and it had the entire Beato book and then transcriptions of all of his Instagram posts. Oh, wow. So he has like tutorials. He actually has real training material. Like, huh. And learning actual music theory for once is it just mind blowing and trying to learn guitar and music theory at the same time is kind of crazy. But yeah, I've been working on that a lot. I have never understood the music theory behind the guitar, even though I know a lot of music theory. I, I look at a fretboard and it's, it's alien. Well, I knew like I, I had that muscle memory of like, I do these things and then these sounds come out, but I didn't have the connection to, cause like in middle school and junior high, I played um, trumpet and stuff as well. So I kind of had like, I knew scales and stuff like that, but mm-hmm, sure. actually music theory and like, because Rick Beato, if you ever listen to him, he's like, well, this is a B flat sustained over this. And you can t- know that that's like the inverse of this. And he's like super like calculus about yeah, it. Love listening to him. I am trying to grok both of that as well as just learning how to play the instrument at the same time, which is a lot. So guys, given that this is our premiere episode, uh, let's talk a little bit about the genesis of this show, like why we're doing this. And I think if I recall... There was this aha moment in one of our infamous text threads where we were battling one another about frog history. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I remember the three of us like just laughing and saying stupid shit. And one of us went, you know, you know, we should do a podcast about prog music. And then about five minutes later, all three of us were like, we really should do a podcast about prog music. And I think what's funny is we're like, what, three minutes into this thing, and you've already said three friends and Genesis. So um, it's, in our, it's in our DNA. I, I think so, too. And I think yeah. when I, I think it was me, maybe it was Lee that said that on the thread. And when I thought about it and really was like, yeah, we should do this, I really thought about, you know, I really enjoy our conversations because we have very different perspectives. I'm much more of a modern kind of coming out of the metal thing. And Craig, you're kind of the classic guy and Lee are in the middle and we, we bring in these different perspectives and I really get a lot out of those conversations. No, I totally agree with that. It really has hit me, you know, talking to you, Tony, especially just how much of that earlier stuff you really didn't even know about. And I'm sitting here in my little bubble thinking, oh, everybody knows ELP and General Giant. And the fact is they don't. So, you know, I think in what I would like to see out of this show in the future is, yeah, you know, we go back and we look at some of the history, but we do it in reference to what's coming out now. And then we also spend time with the new stuff and what's going on. Right. I hope that people get recommendations for bands out of this and if it's new or old yeah and and i'm doing it just from a totally selfish perspective because uh, i need to learn the new bands i uh like i say i'm kind of stuck in the 70s and um, would otherwise continue to be so it's uh it's good for me but you know i really like that that being stuck in the past kind of i don't even think it's stuck in the past i just think you have a really good grasp on on the that history i know what i like and well like you know I'm really excited about some stuff coming out right now, like new Rick Wakeman. And, and when I see some of my favorite bands and given this is the premiere episode, I'm going to caution all the audiences. I'm a huge Arion fan, so it's going to name drop a lot. But when I, one thing that comes out of that is he uses a lot of these older musicians, these classic musicians. So when he does that and I need a touch point to go say like, I'm, I'm, I see that, Emerson's on this record. What's a good record I should go listen to? Right. And that's where I think our three-point dynamic really works. It's a nice Venn diagram. I mean, for me, too, Craig and I were on one of the cruises 
I think it was Cruise to the Edge. And the first one, they had a guy come on do live podcasts, and it was Eddie Trunk from That Metal Show. Eddie Trunk. I'm pretty sure he did actually both cruises, but when the first cruise came on, I actually went down to sit and listen to him do some interviews of people. And what was shocking, I'm pretty sure he got on the boat because he's really good friends with Mike Portnoy, Mm. but he didn't know anything about Prague. So he literally would sit there with these people like Steve Howe in front of him, and he just would basically say, well... You know, I know a lot about music, but I don't know anything about Prague. Can you explain this Prague thing to me? (laughs) And I just thought that is really a shame, you know, because we could be on that boat doing 10 times better than that. And that's one of the main reasons I want to do this is because I think there's a place for for guys like us to be able to interview those people intelligently, you know, Mm -hmm. coming from that background and what we like. Yeah, I agree. When we were first spitballing the idea of the show, I went out and I searched for existing podcasts. And there have been a few attempts at Prague-based podcasts in the past, and most of them have fizzled out. I hope that we can deliver for our listeners intelligent conversation about this material, where we're conversant in the material, we're conversant in the legacy, and we're not like that, where we're like, well, I, I found this band and I don't know anything about Prague, and right. why is this Genesis record so funky, right? Like, right. Well played. <laughs> We should do a whole, we'll do a whole episode on why the late Genesis is, is crap with examples. And a cross-referenced index. There you go. I think what you'll get in this podcast is a really good mix of new and old. You know, we try to stay current and um, I think we're going to be able to give you some good recommendations and, and um, good experience between the three of us. You want the final word, Craig? Yes. I think that says it all. Go ahead. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, or or Genesis or Pink Floyd. I don't know any of the above. Yes, Um, I'm just happy to uh, you know get to hang out with you guys because there's a pandemic going on and we're uh, all not getting out very much. So it's really great to just kind of have some time on the calendar to sit around and talk about music with you guys. I agree. We all come to turn to this genre with a slightly different perspective, and so I think it. It's helpful to kind of set the table. So as, pe- as we go down the road and people are listening to us, people kind of know what to expect out of each of us. So I think for what I'm seeing here, I'll start with you, Lee, and then we'll go to Craig, and then I'll, I'll round it out and just kind of talk about your perspective on, on Prague, how you came to the genre, any background you have with music and stuff like that. And, and then we'll just go from there. I grew up in a very artistic household. Um, my dad always had something going on the stereo, like Wagner or Beethoven or Mozart. And my mom plays piano and taught piano lessons, and she's an artist. So I got an exposure very early on, and I learned to love it. And they decided that I should learn to play piano wisely from someone else. So I learned from the uh, pianist at our church, Mrs. Barker, and would go once a week and take piano lessons. But the thing that went with it is you also had to go every Saturday everyone that was learning from her, and you had to take music theory for two hours, which was pure torture, but it would turn out to be, give me a very huge advantage when I got to college. But anyway, I get to high school and I was the music nerd. I was in every kind of band uh, activity, every kind of choir activity, uh, shows, things like that. And the most significant one probably was, uh, I was in stage band, which was you know, kind of the the horns, piano, drum kind of thing, the the Doc Severinsen or the Paul Schaefer, you know, David Letterman kind of backing band, that kind of music. 
And uh, the most significant part of it was you weren't playing off of sheet music with um, staff notation. This was all just, you might have a little bit of a rhythm pattern uh, laid out for you, but it was all just chord charts. And you had to figure out what you were going to play by listening to the rest of the band and figuring out kind of where you belonged and what the rhythm should be. And so that was a very big learning experience for me. I got to use some of my theory. I got to learn how to do chord inversions and how to move well around a piano and peaks and valleys and different things like that. And so my junior and senior years of high school, I was asked to play in a couple of different talent show pieces, one by a friend named Chip Looney, who was a crazy guy, but lots of fun. And he had written a whole sketch that he wanted me to play piano on. And I had this little Pia synthesizer that my dad and I had built, just started playing around with that. And uh, we were rehearsing, and one day he came up to me and handed me a copy of Overnight Sensation by Frank Zappa. And he said, you need to listen to this. And that literally was the moment I got pushed way over the edge. What was it about that album that... I just couldn't believe songs like this existed. That's got Dynamo Hum on it. That's got I Am the Slime, Dirty Love. Zombie Wolf. That started me on a very long road to listening to things like ELP, um, Yes, uh, Gentle Giant, just all different Kansas, different, all different kinds of stuff. So right out of high school, I formed my first band and started playing uh, high school dances, things like that. Went into college and started studying music as a major, uh, so a whole lot of music theory. And at night, I would play in various bands and played keyboards and sang. And several of these bands grew into pretty successful bar bands in the Dallas area. We got to be pretty well known in this circuit. And I quit college and decided to go play music full time for like about three years in um, a band or a couple of bands that toured about a three state area. So that was very valuable. Learned how to set up gear and tear down gear and live out of hotels and a van and what it meant to write music at night and different things like that. One of the guys in one of my bands was um, had a night gig where he would schlep gear at a recording studio, a place called Autumn Sound, um, help bring gear in and out and set things up and just things like that. And so I'd go hang out there. That was a very valuable experience and got to learn what mixing was and all the technical end, how to set up mics and acoustics and um, how to master, more importantly, how to master. And then after about three years of that, decided didn't really want to live on the road anymore. So I quit and went back to college to get uh, an engineering degree to learn how to design my own recording studio. <laughs> and I didn't design one, but I was able to buy enough pieces to put one together. A classic. So I think I fall into a category that's um, more prevalent than you would imagine. Uh, double E that um, is also a musician on the side. I think there's, I've run into a lot of us over the years. And so as far as prog goes, I um, had a very early uh, indoctrination into bands like Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Jethro Tull, Yes, uh, the Prague side of Kansas, you know, Rush, um, a lot of European bands as well, Camel. Um, I was a big UK fan for years and years. Uh, for the modern stuff, I uh, like 
the modern version of It Bites. A lot of Frost. I think those guys are pretty much geniuses. Pretty much anything with John Mitchell in it as a guitarist, I will pick up. So Arena, It Bites, Kino, Frost, any of that kind of stuff. And as an example, this is The Wind That Shakes the Barley by It Bites. I will also listen to a lot of Porcupine Tree. I like the later version of Opeth, Transatlantic, Spoxbeard, Riverside, um, Stephen Wilson, those kind of things. So a lot of prog rock lands pretty much squarely in the middle for me. But I also listen to quite a bit of prog metal, more on the uh, technical end of it. So a lot of Dream Theater, a big Dream Theater fan, uh, Love Haken. Caligula's Horse, uh, Fate's Warning, Catatonia, Redemption. And as an example, this is Architect of Fortune by Circus Maximus from the album Nine. I feel like there's a huge resurgence going on because people have left labels mm -hmm. and are doing this independently and people are doing what they want to do. It's funny that you mentioned that uh, last weekend I was at a local record shop because it was it was actually free RPG day. But it's one of those shops where they have like board games and RPGs as well as a CD store. And I was asking about some prog stuff and the guy I was like, I'm not finding ELP and I'm not finding this and that. And it's a guy I really trust uh, to know his stuff. And he's like, yeah, it's like so popular right now. I can't keep it on the shelf. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. So, Craig, how about you? How did you come to this? What, what are you getting out of this? What do you love about Prague? So for me, uh, to go back just a little bit, um, uh, first of all, I'm Craig. I'm, I'm the middle guy in the, in the band here. And uh, for me, a bunch of stuff happened at the same time back in the 70s. I was not a school music nerd, but I was definitely a music nerd. And I was, I was kind of more of a delinquent. And my parents were like, what can we do with Craig that'll like, engage him in something? For whatever reason, they signed me up for piano lessons. It was like my third or fourth time. And this dude I was taking piano lessons from, he had to be like 70 years old, Anton DeMassi. Little Italian guy, stumped over, polio survivor, uh, smoked like a chimney. and. I took piano lessons from him on Thursdays after school, and I'd usually be high when I went in. But what was cool about this dude was, in addition to you know teaching me introductory classical and the usual Shams books and crap like that, he taught me music theory. 
And every week he taught me like six new chords. And after like a month or so, I knew all the major, minor, seventh, and diminished chords. And he started teaching me how to read jazz charts. So he would give me like a simple jazz chart and he would teach me like a little simple stride piano. And all of a sudden something clicked. Uh, it's like, oh, I get it. This is cool. And I just started riffing and kind of like inferring a bunch of music theory out of all these chords. So I sort of learned how to jam a little bit. Um, now, at the same time, uh, that summer, again, in an effort to figure out what the hell to do with me, my parents sent me to summer camp uh, with a bunch of rich Jewish kids uh, outside of Philadelphia. And I was kind of tinkling around with the piano in the rec center. Um, and some dude with a guitar came in and said, great, want to jam? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was basically the summer of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Deja Vu. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, yeah. He told me the chords for our house is very, very, very fine house. And he said, just play those on the piano and I'll strum along and sing. And he did that. And it was like light bulbs and fireworks went off. And it was great. And it certainly did not sound as good as I'm making it sound, but it still was magic. Um, and that summer in camp, I learned about songs like Roundabout. Um, cause he was like, Oh, listen to this. You do overtones. And he kind of showed me what an overtone was and he would play that. And he said, okay, and I'll play an E minor and a G, you know, roundabout. And it's like, Oh shit, this is magic. Yeah. I got home from camp and my sister had just gotten an album called trilogy from a band called Emerson Lake and Palmer. And that just freaking changed my life. Yeah. Um, that opening track of trilogy just was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. You know, played keyboards ever since. Uh, um, I play reasonably well, but not as well as I think. Um, <laughs> but I totally enjoy it and um, still play to this day. I, I'm definitely a solo guy. I don't like playing in bands. Um, and that uh, carries on into all the other artsy fartsy stuff that I do, um, which is why I'm trying to learn boogie woogie because it's like, you know, you have a whole band in your, in your hand there. You're, it's, it's meant to be played solo. Which is which is perfect. So you're a believer in there's no I in team, but there is in win. That is exactly right. That I I I'm gonna put that on my on my Twitter page if I if I had one. Yeah. So anyway, so I've been playing uh, piano like ever since. I think um, I've told you guys. You know, at one point, you know, I got you know like a year or so later, I got turned turned on to Kansas Left Overture and bought the sheet music for it. You know, you could buy sheet music for a lot of these things, and um, not all of the songs were in the sheet music, but I learned enough of them to just be able to play them all through and just love that stuff. I got a clavichord and a Moog satellite synthesizer. And uh, that's, oh, and a, a Vox Continental organ uh, with the black white keys and the white black keys. And uh, which was great because the satellite would sit right on top of it. And I just looked so bad. I was fucking Rick Wake. Got a cape and everything. Long blonde hair, no cape. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, and, uh, you know, unlike you guys, um, I'm really flying my way out of the 70s in terms of what I listen to. I push hard to like stuff beyond, you know, Kansas, Tull, Genesis, um, you know, the older classic rock stuff that you think of as prog rock. Uh, Lee and I go on the, uh, the prog cruises every couple of years. And, um, you know, I go for Adrian Blue and I go for Yes and I go for Kansas and all these other guys are on there. And, you know, I, I really have to force myself leading up to the cruises to invest some time to get familiar with a couple of additional bands. So I'll enjoy it. And I do. And it's great. And, you know, that's why I, one of the things that I love doing this with you guys is, you know, I get turned on to Caligula's horse. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a total frost nerd now. I, those guys can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm glad there's new stuff out there. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't come natural to me like it does to you guys. But I think that's, what's great about this triumvirate, um, is that we all have different eras and different perspectives. And I think that that really helps with when we talk about these things, even in our just friendly conversations off the mic, Mm -hmm. where we all are just talking about different perspectives. And I, some of my favorite memories I was telling my wife are these, these long, long, long text threads that we go on where we're just like talking about random crap. Well, it's important to figure out how it all relates to Arion, really. <laughs> and it all does eventually, right? <laughs> there you go. What's your background, Tony? I'll start actually with my, a little bit of my dad's story, whereas my dad, when he was a teenager and into his early 20s, he played uh, trumpet and flugelhorn and other uh, brass winds in a drum and bugle corps um, that has long since folded. But that experience of his uh, came into my life as like just listening to a lot of that kind of music, uh, things that were played in uh, DCI kind of competitions and, and stuff like that. What is DCI? Drum Corps International. Drum Corps International. And, um, oh, wow. And, and so I grew up with my dad listening to a lot of different jazz. So there was a lot of Miles and Maynard Ferguson and stuff like that. And then that grew into like fusion stuff like Spirogyra and the Rippingtons. And you know, one thing about both Spirogyra and the Rippingtons is that their music was heavily used by the weather channel during the nineties for the on air view of the weather forecast. So when it would be showing you the radar and the upcoming weather and all of that, they'd be playing this smooth jazz and the Rippingtons and Spirogyra were both heavily used there. So I'm getting this confirmation that here's the music my dad listens to, and I'm hearing it on TV, so it must be pretty decent music in my brain. And so here's a track that really reminds me of, of that kind of experience, and this is the track Vienna by the Rippingtons. So I learned a lot of that kind of music stuff, but I don't have the background in music theory that you guys do, right? Like I just heard a, a large diaspora of music in my experience. Like my dad's playing all of this fusion stuff as I'm growing up. But as a teenager, my experience went more like I was your typical 90s kid. I was listening to industrial and grunge and, and alternative rock stuff. 
And I got really, really, really into the industrial techno Euro sound. And then at some point, there was a pivot. And I can't really place exactly when the pivot away from that happened. But then I started listening to bands like Iced Earth and more heavy metal bands. I got away from like the more computerized stuff and more like produced synthesized stuff and got back into like guitars and drums and instruments type of stuff. And at some point, and I don't remember exactly when it happened, um, I picked up a copy of Dream Theater's Silver Linings, Black Clouds of Silver Linings. And there was a connection there that I found because I knew that I found out that Mike Portnoy also played in Transatlantic. And that was kind of like, I listened to Transatlantic and that record still to this day is one of my favorite records. It's just Which one is that? Which one? Um, The Whirlwind. Oh, okay. Just an amazing record to me. And then Mm -hmm. the great thing about that though, was that it had this B side because I bought the deluxe edition of that album. And it had this B-side CD that was a whole bunch of covers of other prog bands, and including like Hogweed was on I was going to say, that's and, the one with Hogweed, right? Yeah. That's a great, they, they nail it. So that was kind of in a vacuum by itself. And then it, I started listening to um, like symphonic metal bands. Like it was a very different sound, right? Like Nightwishes and Camelots of the World. And... I, that's just a very different sound for me and i really enjoyed it and then again these this connective tissue started to happen where i was listening to camelot and really liking camelot and then camelot was well actually i was listening to leaves eyes and camelot was going to be coming on tour and bringing leaves eyes to the states and that's when roy khan left camelot and so i had been listening to a lot of camelot to get ready for the tour kind of like what you do for the boat craig and then Tommy Karavik joined Camelot. And I was like, well, now I need to learn about Tommy Karavik. And that's what introduced me to Seventh Wonder. And yeah. then I found out that Tommy Karavik had also been, I had just recorded a record with Arion. And so what I start finding out is like, there's these, I keep hearing this word prog come up over and over and over, right? It's happening with Dream Theater and it's happening with Transatlantic. And now it's happening with, Seventh Wonder, which was Tommy Karavik's original band. And then Tommy Karavik is singing in Arion, which is obviously a prog band. And then I started listening to Arion. And full disclaimer, audience, I'm a full Arion fanboy. Like, no illusions about that. And so a sample I want to show of Arion and connecting me to both the present and the past is on the album The Theory of Everything. There's this track called Progressive Waves. And on that one track, we have Keith Emerson playing... um, a Moog solo at the same time that Jordan Rudess is playing a synthesizer solo. So here's a little bit of how that plays off. the nexus point of Arion is that he has so many prog friends that you could listen to any record and I'm getting exposed to new stuff, including the old stuff that you like, Craig, because he's got so many of those colleagues that were on, that were in these older bands. That's a good central hub. Right. That is really interesting. So that's kind of how I ended up forming my love of prog. And so it, it, 
for me, the center of the wheel is Arion, but it definitely branches out to all of these other bands. And from a, an experience point, um, you know, I played trumpet in middle and junior high school and then did the normal teenage angsty thing where I like thought I knew what the hell I was doing with a guitar, but didn't. Um, and that was kind of the extent of my like performance experience. But one thing that I have always paid attention to, and I think it started when I listened to the Nine Inch Nails record, The Downward Spiral. That was the first place where production was a big thing. So, you know, the thing about that record, The Downward Spiral, you know, most people focus on the first half of that record, which is very aggressive, very intense, and sounds a lot like the album that came before it. But the part of that album that really spoke to me, especially from a production sense, is the back part of that record. And the record is roughly divided in half, and I would say it's probably before and after the track, uh, The Becoming. But the track that really spoke to me from a production level is the track Reptile, which I have a sample of here. And it's a good example of using atmospherics and production to really drive home a lot more than the music alone is providing. And I, and I really started paying attention to things like, how was this produced? Who was the producer? Um, what label is this on? What does the label tell me about what I can expect from this album? And so uh, a common theme in our conversations, in fact, recently we had a text thread where uh, we were debating, kind of debating. I don't know, is that a word? Is it really this or is it really just the mix or just the production? Style versus um, substance. And I am the youngest of the group. Uh, obviously, I come from that metal world. And so I think you've got this good continuum of, I think you start with me as the youngest and the most, uh, um, but I listen to a lot of that stuff. And I go, and I also go really avant-garde. One thing about me is I love soundscapes and, and concept records. I don't think I've found a concept record that I haven't fallen in love with. Uh, but I think that that gives us a good cross-section of, of perspectives here on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I agree. So, moving on into prog news, do you guys have anything that you know of that you want to make sure the audience knows about? Today was the release of John Anderson's solo album, A Thousand Hands. Nice. And do you know if that's a live recording of all of the Thousand Hands shows that he did? I do not know. I, that is literally all I and know I s- about it. I was surprised to see it was already released. I don't really know anything about John Anderson. Yeah, he's the lead singer for Yes for years and years and years. He's got this, you know, he's got the super high tenor voice, um, one of the very key sounds in Yes. But um, but again, on one of the cruises, um, it wasn't that cruise. I think it was Progressive Nation. Was it? He was on, and Craig and I got to sit and talk with him. I got to ask him a question. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, he was, and he just seems like the warmest, nicest guy. He talks like this, nice. you know. Yeah, he's got a super high voice. He, and he was like the real, uh, the, the big generator behind Yes. And that's a Yes joke for Yes people listening. But um, he's the guy that uh, got it started, I guess, with Chris Squire way, way, way back in the day. Like yes, 67, 68. One of the originals. And uh, 
Um, but that's the only really news I can think of. Um, I know, you know, Arianna's is coming up, yep. so they're doing their trickle announcements, but, um, a lot of other bands have already released since we talked last. So yeah, Hakens is coming out. Hakens is out. Yeah. Um, Kansas is out. Lonely robot came out. The frost EP was out. Have you listened to the lonely robot yet? I have listened to lonely robot. How is that? If John Mitchell is playing in a band, I will pick up anything John Mitchell's in if he's part of the band because it, it is always he's amazing. In the center of he what is, I listen he's to. He's just beautiful. But solo, his stuff is really kind of, it just tends to be very kind of ethereal mm-hmm. and it doesn't really land for me very well. So this is the second Lonely Robot I picked up. Um, it's good. I mean, it's fine, but it's just not, it isn't something that turns me on a whole lot. And, and that just surprises the heck out of me because the stuff he does in Frost is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. The stuff he does in Frost, he does in Kino, he does in Arena. It's just like he does amazing stuff. But I, this must be what is left inside him pent up, you know, that comes out later. I mean, if it's ambient kind of stuff, I got to listen to that. I think that's Yeah. One thing about this show, when we were first conceptualizing the show, is we wanted it to be a good entry point for people new to Prague. And so that's why yep. you're going to hear us talk about recommendations of bands we like and stuff like that. And we're big, big promoters of local indie prog bands. But one thing that we were talking about a little bit ago that would be good here is, you know, we're talking about news. So where do we all get our news? So I guess I'll start with you, Lee, and then go to Craig and I'll wrap it up if there's anything left. But where do you get your news? Like, how, where do you find like, that a new record's coming out or a review or something? Where do you go? Yep. So I um, have a Facebook subscription on Prague, uh, Prague Magazine. And I also subscribe to it digitally and in print. So once a month, I get a Prague magazine issue come out of the UK. They will give you kind of a summary of of at least more of the higher end bands and kind of what's going on. I also use the Prague space quite a bit. They keep a very comprehensive and very detailed list of what's getting released and are usually posting some examples, even from some very obscure bands. So. Um, I am on a couple of blogs, and people will post things there. So, uh, for example, Declan Burke, I'm on one of his his um, Facebook areas, and he's constantly pointing people to new music, and that's where I discovered ACT. And here's a cut from their album, Circus Pandemonium, called A Truly Gifted Man. And then um, what a, every Prague magazine print issue comes with a sample CD. We'll do that. Yeah, it's like one of the only publications still doing that. And I will rip every one of those CDs. I will put it on my headphones, and then I listen to it while I'm working out. And if I don't like it, I'll delete them. And from there, I've probably gathered 30, 40 different bands that they'll just have never heard of, and they'll introduce you to. And then the last thing I do is I, when I purchase on Amazon, right before you check out, if you look on the right, 
there's this little strip bar that says this album shows up in Joe Blow's, you know, list of the greatest bands. <laughs> and a lot of those people will post compilations. And so if you literally sit there and take about 10 minutes and you just flip through what these people post, you know, nine out of 10 times I've already got it. You know, it's, it's old stuff or it's just not in my wheelhouse, but that's how I found Frost. Oh. The song he posted was Hyperventilate. And I turned around and listened to it, and my jaw hit the floor. I just couldn't believe somebody wrote that. So mm-hmm. that's the other way I find stuff. Um, that turns out to be a real good investment. I found some things that way. That's kind of my primary areas. And then you guys, um, you know, things you recommend, I try to turn around and listen to offline. So there you go. And how about you, Craig? Totally different um, approach. Back in the day, going back like 10 years ago or eight years ago, there used to be this website called Prague Archives. And they used to have a, a little appliance that you click on and it would just cycle through like 20 random prog songs from bands I never heard of. That worked for a while um, and they've since gone away. Uh, so really, probably the main thing I do is I, I rely on AI for my recommendations besides you guys, of course. We are artificial intelligence as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nothing real. But, you know, I'll like uh, pick, you know, one of my favorites to listen to on YouTube is like, like a live Jeff Beck concert or something like that. And then based on that, it'll probably start recommending other stuff or I like putting up live things and seeing what it comes up with. Uh, and then same thing with Pandora. So, you know, I, I'll always start like a, a new Pandora channel. Like lately I've been uh, Pandora ing Devin Townsend. And there's not a lot of depth to that because it ends up turning into like a radio station where it just cycles through the same 20 or 30 songs. But that's, that's pretty much what I do and find all kinds of different stuff there. And then the uh, final thing is um, I subscribe to the Facebook uh, Cruise to the Edge page. Every now and again, uh, somebody will post something when they're not bitching about the cruise being canceled this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll post a link to some new music that's uh, usually pretty interesting. Nice. And that's nice. just a, it's a fun way to be interactive with a bunch of like-minded people. Nice. Awesome. So I think in terms of news, um, where I get mine is I have kind of a very regimented morning routine of like, before I really start my work day, I, I check news and stuff like that. And so I have like a whole in my browser, I have a whole news thing. And so I've selected some good, what I consider some good prog news websites. So uh, I read the prog report pretty much daily and it doesn't update a, a ton Not, like it's pretty static most of the time but i do check on it every day i listen or i read the loudersound.com website mostly yeah. because they have a prog section and they have a metal section so i can get um both and they cross post things and then i also read the metal injection website which is mostly just metal news but um occasionally they'll have a prog thing that i haven't heard of um, and then in terms of finding new bands and new music, um, I do a lot of the same things you guys do, but 
I don't know. I think this was like a growing up in the night. Like it, I've heard these stories about people in the sixties and seventies, you go to the LP store and you just like finger through LPs until you find something. And I do that with CDs cause that was my generation. But <laughs> as I've talked to you guys about one of my things that I do is like, I have record stores that I really trust. And so I have one locally here in Denver. And then uh, when I travel to California, I have local stores that I trust in those areas. And I specifically have people that work at those stores that I trust. And so I'll go to the prog section and like, I usually have a small handful of CDs I know I'm looking for and I'll look for those. And then in the prog section, I always just pick a random thing. And it's something like maybe it's the track listing or maybe it's the album art or something. I always pick one thing I never would have picked otherwise. And I just buy it like sight unseen. And I just, listen to it and i've gotten quite a few like groups that i really like that way like that's how i found muse and specifically that's how i found eric norlander and then through eric norlander found rocket scientists that's just kind of how i find stuff and then occasionally like lee you said the recommendations on amazon or on youtube i mean it pops up there and it's not a not foolproof but occasionally i get stuff that i'm really interested in so um any upcoming releases that you guys want to make sure everyone knows about i am sort of caught up on upcoming releases um last two weeks was a big a lot of stuff dump of new music so prog radar doesn't have their august up yet um they're still in july which is disappointing but derek sherinian solo album i like derek sherinian solo mm. um, much better than i do um sons of apollo um, but, and the other one is the tangent and these both came out in July, but I will go pick up the tangent and go listen. Cause I liked some of the earlier tangent. So yep. Rick Wakeman, which I think you're going to bring up Tony. What about you, Craig? Same thing. Same thing. Rick Wakeman was the, uh, the big one that, um, came out, listened to one of the tracks that's uh, available online. It's Grace Mons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we had we, quite a conversation. We about had a conversation. I'll, I'll, I'll yes, let you is. take it and then we'll, uh, We'll, we'll respond of course yeah you like that yeah I, I really like that track and you know i was very excited when i saw that that single Ascreus mons was posted and i listened to it and i was like oh my god this is so amazing and i tweet or I, I texted it to you guys i think it was lee it was you that came back and was like eh, it's all right whatever and and you were like it's it's really ambient to me and then that's when i was like oh that's exactly why i love it and i think that this record is going to be a very soundscape you know that's it's so sad though because the i i feel like and this has always been my opinion of rick wakeman's solo material is he's capable of so much more in what way expand on that well more in what way uh more intricate more tastiness you know i mean the guy can play a mini mood like nobody yeah any of his body of work um with yes uh specifically um or even when he's like uh the higher gun on, you know, some of the older stuff that he did. They're like these snippets of just brilliantness. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think about heart of the sunrise, which just has all these little chunks of Rick Wakeman being freaking brilliant or the song awakened. Same thing. It's one of those, you know, the sum of the whole is better than the product of the parts or I don't know. There's some, what did you say the, the other day you ultimately apologized for it, but you had some like really <laughs> awesome snarky comment. What did, what did you say about Rick Wakeman? Uh, something about style over substance, maybe. I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know. I can go back and look at the text, but it was one and of those I think, things. And I think I was, I responded with like, I, what if the style is the substance? Yeah. Right. And I got, I got kind of woo, woo, woo there, but you know, that's, that's kind of always been his thing. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, turn everybody off from our podcast by on the first one. <laughs> no, have strong opinion, make strong choices. <laughs> the first thing, like, well, wait a second, we were going to listen to their podcast, but somebody trashed Rick Eggman. You're an improv guy. Make strong choices. Like I say, I, I love the dude and I love him. And yes, I love his comedies. Yeah, he is funny as hell. I love his playing when he's playing most playing other people's music or dropping his stuff into other people's music. Phrasing, Craig. But just that, you know, like the standalone stuff, it's just never quite done it for me. And I've, I've tried. God help me. Awesome. Having said that, I haven't listened to the whole Mars album, so it could be great. And no, yeah, and I, I pre-ordered it. I was really sad because I thought I had pre-ordered it and realized I hadn't, and I really wanted the deluxe version, and now it is completely sold out. So that'll have to be an aftermarket thing. Uh, you have no choice ever of finding it. Yeah, so I, I, I bought the standard edition that's a double CD, but I wanted the, the one that is double CD plus a high-res DVD version of the audio. Oh, actually, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, obviously, I have to say that the Arian record is coming out later in the year, but between the Arian record and the Wakeman record, I think that's the end of like what I'm actually expecting this year. As you guys mentioned, all the big releases have already dropped in the past 30 to 45 days. But, you know, as we normally do, we like to talk also a little bit about what we're listening to. So each go around one track that, or one album or something that you're listening to right now that you want everyone to know about. Yeah, what I really want to promote here is um, while all these people on one of the blogs I'm on were bitching and moaning because the new Haken hadn't come out yet, someone posted a, while you're waiting, go listen to this. And it's a band called Kiros, K-Y-R-O-S. I saw that, yeah. And the album is called Selexa Dreams. Yeah, they were great. Um, that album, I cannot put it down. They have a very strong keyboard player hugely strong bass player it starts in a in kind of a different mode and as the album progresses it gets proggier and proggier and proggier till the end when they're doing only instrumentals and mm. they rip on some of this music and i am i i listen to it constantly so that's a band that was originally called synesthesia i've done some research on i haven't picked up the synesthesia yet but i am going to turn around and do it and all of their old material is still, it's either Spotify or it might even be Bandcamp. I don't remember where I bought it now, but I did turn around and buy it. I had to go look for it. It wasn't like an Amazon kind of thing. Um, might have been Spotify. But anyway, um, yeah, I am promoting the hell out of this band because they, um, great stuff. I really like Selexa Dreams, guys. Um, great album. I have to go check that out. Um, Craig, what do you got going on? Going down the Devin Townsend rat hole, rabbit hole, uh, whatever the uh, Alice in Wonderland uh, reference is. He was on Progressive Nation at Sea back in 2014, and uh, we saw him. And what happens on those cruises is there's so much music that after a while, it all kind of blends together. But I remember sort of enjoying it, uh, but didn't really, it didn't really stick. Um, and then like a month or so ago, no, it was a couple of months ago, Tony, you shared a YouTube of some vocal coach listening to and reacting to Devin Townsend for her first time. And it was obscene, um, her reaction to watching and listening to Devin Townsend to the point where I almost think it might have been an act 
to get people to stay glued to her uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, it probably was. Uh, it probably was, but it was also uh, uh, um, compelling. So um, I started listening to uh, Epic Cloud. Ah, uh, yeah. And I really was kind of disappointed a little bit. He is such a great vocalist. And in that album, or at least the, uh, the way maybe it was my headphones, but his voice is so back in the mix that it just never comes out. And so I kind of shit can that one, even though it's great. Um, and I've been listening to a live one called um, Live in Plovdiv, which I think is some, uh, an Italian amphitheater or Italian theater. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing a little bit. It's like his voice is so great, but there's so much other crap audio going on that it doesn't really jump out. But here's the thing that I keep coming up, coming away with. Um, in between songs, he chats and he's like a super, super regular guy. But he sounds so much like Jim Carrey. Well, he's Canadian. When he's talking, I feel like I'm listening to, you know, outtakes from Ace Venture, a pet detective or something. Because it just sounds, you, gotta li- you have to listen to this album because there's a lot of like patter in between songs. I have been spending a lot of time or a lot of uh, my music time listening to Devin Townsend. And I really am enjoying it. It's very unique. Uh, definitely has a specific style. Um, he's got a specific vibe uh, in the way, in the stuff he talks about in between songs, which I really enjoy. Um, I like knowing a little bit of backstory about musicians because mm-hmm. you just don't get that very far. Awesome. There you go. Devin Townsend. Yeah. And I think that um, I have a kind of a toss up here of, because I have been listening to both, but I think what I've, what I really want to talk about in terms of uh, what I've been listening to as a recommendation kind of thing is um, uh, I was at that record store last weekend and I was looking for older prog like ELP and stuff like that. And I ended up getting a really great deal on some of the early Genesis records. And so I have been listening to the hell out of lamb lies down on Broadway. Ah, favorite tracks, love- favorite tracks so far. Uh, well, and it's going to change like, over time, but which one? It is, um, and I don't remember. All, like, I'm just listening to the CDs because uh, I it's a double disc, mm-hmm. and I made it all one album the way I ripped it down. So I, I really love "Lamb Lies Down" on Broadway, the first track, uh-huh. mostly for that intro because that intro is fucking amazing, and it's just Peter Gabriel all over the place. Like, in my opinion, Peter Gabriel just being Peter Gabriel all over that record. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the track. Um, it's the one with the great synthesizer breakdown in the middle. Oh yeah, the cage. The cage. I mean that that track was awesome. Like I was sitting there and like I was just really enjoying listening to some really great Peter Gabriel because I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan. And then that track happened and that synthesizer solo yep. in the middle happened, and I was like, okay, like this is a great record. I really play. love this. Did you say you also got Foxtrot? I did get Foxtrot. Did you listen to Supper's Ready yet? I have not because. I haven't gotten past Lamb Lies Down yet. Like I'm just like so in that record right now. You give yourself a year, man. Uh, Lamb Lies Down has staying power. It does, and uh, I'm I'm loving the story of Rhea. And and uh, and also, if you can figure out what it's actually about, uh, you're. I get a Pulitzer or a Nobel Prize of some kind. I think you get you get something. I mean, you should just start a wiki page because it's it's. Uh, it's a beautiful, yeah. wonderful album with just great music and great singing. And uh, the story is, has always uh, kept me. 
All right. So that's the end of our premiere kind of first date episode. Uh, getting to know you kind of guys. I hope that the audience <laughs> learned a little bit about more about. I hope we were gentle. <laughs> no tongues. <laughs> Did we get to first base or second well, base? Will you or? call again? That's yeah. the thing. Well, don't call us. We'll call you. That's we'll call. We'll call you <laughs> next week at the same time. <laughs> um, you never call immediately. You give it a few days or a week. That's and, right. um, don't look too eager. Yeah, you don't want to be too eager or codependent. Um, so, so I hope that the audience got a little bit of a feel for what they're going to expect out of the three of us and our approach that we bring to Prague. Next week, we'll get into it for real. Um, and as always, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at UP3Show or contact us with recommendations for indie bands, things that you thought were really awful about the show, things that if you find any were really awesome about the show. And you can email us at UP3Show at gmail.com. And then as a reminder, don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And this will make sure that we get a little bit of recognition in the podcast rankings and you don't miss an episode so that the next time you can listen to our nonsense just the same way you did this time. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, folks. Tony here. If you made it this far, congratulations. You're getting every ounce you can out of this podcast episode. As a reminder, we're a podcast about commentary and opinion on prog music. We use samples of music to make our point and to teach others. We are in no way claiming the copyright of any music found in our samples and strongly recommend that you support these artists by buying their material or seeing them live. If you're an artist and you'd like for us to change how we've used your content on the show, please contact us directly so that we can work together. Thanks, guys.